Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Fresh Out, the podcast, uh, the only podcast that features us, the, the the guys on the podcast. I'm Johanna and I. It's me, it's me, casualty, CDG, retired child crimes detective and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. And I am the professional media and movie mastermind of the Funhouse, Drew Munhausen, and welcome to episode 65 of Fresh Out the Podcast. It's been a while, my friends, since we have recorded this way. I was gone at the festival, and then y'all recorded an episode with, with Zach, which, uh, <laughs> what a great move while I was gone. I, I don't know if it was like a slight at me or if it was just, you know... I, I, you know, I was trying to, to grapple the thought process. We there, wanted you to see how badly we needed you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I actually, you know, I'm just to be totally transparent. I haven't listened to that episode all the way through. I listened to the beginning and, and heard Zach, but y'all were talking Andor and I actually haven't indulged in any of Andor yet at this point so i have not listened to the episode i figure i'll i might go back and listen once i've actually started catching up on Andor. oh gary's shaking his head saying don't do don't it. do it no zach was in that one uh see we none of us could figure out how to get our internet to work without you or our microphones so we just all had to drive and meet up in the middle uh we recorded it on tin can phones from across the cars from each other so that nobody got exposed to covid uh so yeah, maybe you could just, I don't know. It's good. Don't get me wrong. The content is good. Yeah, but Zach's in it. Yeah, it's always going to come with a little bit of a a star step down. Yeah, it's a, there's, a, there's a little caveat. There's a little asterisk. It was almost not even fresh out the podcast. It was just sort of out the podcast. It's like you're about to eat a piece of candy and you find a booger on it. And it's not your booger. But you really want the piece of candy. But like you are contractually obligated to eat the candy. Mm, contractually obligated. But it's a salted okay. caramel, so you probably wouldn't even notice the taste anyways. <laughs> Gosh, this is going this is going off the rails early. Oh boy. Um well I'm happy to be here with, with both of you. I'm Aww. happy to be recording. It's actually because of the timing, it's our first recording in October, the Ooh. spooky 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 month. Um, so, which is fine. And I, you know, I did some solo pods, uh, while I was away at fantastic fest. So uh -huh. folks have had a chance to listen to those. There's actually still a few movies that I saw in the latter half of the festival that I haven't talked about yet, or I didn't go back. I just got so busy there. There's just so much going on. So like for hey, those who a, don't know, a busy boy, man. Yeah. So when you go to the, Fantastic Fest is a really good intro film festival for people because it's in Austin. It's hosted at the Alamo Draft House in South Lamar in Austin. And so the whole festival is at that Alamo Draft House. It's that theater is not open to the public during that week. It is dedicated to the festival. And we're, you know, as if you're comparing to other big film festivals like TIFF, for example, in in Toronto or, you know, whatever, typically that uh there's different theaters around the city. So like if you're going to catch different screenings, you're having to travel from one place to another, or like you're barely making it in time. The nice part about this is you're, it's all very self-contained, but they basically have it set up in blocks. So the first screening of the day is, you know, in the 11 o'clock hour 
and that's considered, you know, um, slot one, basically. And then slot two is in the two o'clock hour, then the five o'clock hour, the eight o'clock hour and the eleven o'clock hour at night. Um, usually the late night showings is where they show the super weird stuff. Um, and a lot of the stuff does have repeat showings throughout the week. So like if you don't want to stay up till one thirty two in the morning watching one film, you can go catch it at a different time. So um, anyway, it was just it was very interesting. But I saw, I think, around 23 movies in a week during while I was there. Uh, and I think the max you could see if you went to a movie at every single slot, I think it's like 36 movies is what you could see. So you I was pretty good. I was I was below that, but I, I didn't do a lot of the late night showings. I just couldn't do it. And t- too old at this point. I was ready to get back to the hotel after the first day when I, I did all five movies in a day um, early on. And I was like, this is not sustainable. I can't do this every day. So I kind of was a little bit more choosy, but I got to see pretty much everything that I wanted to see. So, yeah, it was it was a good time. And and some of those things I saw early, like I got to see um, Werewolf by Night, the new Sick. Marvel special and I got to see Hellraiser um, early which those are actually available now streaming on Disney Plus and Hulu respectively so it's kind of fun now to be part of those conversations but I got to see a little sneak peek of those but yeah so it's it's good to be back but it was a good time yeah we're glad to have you back man and yeah it's really cool that you got to do that and do all that cool content for the channel and blah 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 when you were in Austin did you get to ride any of those awesome little electric scooters around or did you did you hold I, yourself you back? Burn it? You burn it? I did up. not. I saw that. I mean, they're everywhere, and, and I know of them. I've never ridden one. I just know that if I you were to step ridden? foot on yeah, one, yeah. it would it would inevitably go badly. It would it would not end Have well. you ever ridden one, Gary? Yeah, hell yeah, dude. And I am a... I, I like to think that I have less dexterity than Drew, and I probably am in worse shape than Drew. Pretty top-heavy. Uh, so if I could do it, I think Drew, you could do it. I didn't. I didn't wipe out or die, and, and I'm a, a, a large man. Jenny almost ate shit one time. <laughs> she's very not athletic, so she's not very coordinated. Uh, yeah, no, I mean we used to ride those all the time uh, for packs in San Antonio. Uh, it's very convenient there. Uh, we Just saying, a- San Antonio, a city that I like much more than Austin. I Is that a hot take. I. No, I think I like San Antonio too better, but uh, Austin's pretty dope. My brothers live in Austin, so that's cool. This oh, was by uh, far the most time I've spent in Austin, so I don't. I'm not going to sit here and like dog on it too hard because um, I do think it's a pretty cool city in the sense of like the artistic creativity it brings and kind of being that location in Texas for. Um, you know, just a lot more creativity. Yeah. I like that about it. But oh my gosh, and and take this with a grain of salt because my hotel was downtown and I pretty much was just between my hotel and the theater. Like all those roads are just terrible. Um, the traffic and the construction and everything. And I'm from Houston. So like it's bad here too. So, but like, oh man, the area I was in was, was pretty rough. So maybe it's just, I wasn't in the cool areas, but I was like, I was ready to get out of there. Yeah. I mean, I it's hilly. Done. It's the, they have narrow streets sometimes. And the traffic actually has gotten really bad because Austin's, had a population explosion in the past like five ten years yeah i'll dogpile on too austin's the worst city in texas except for <laughs> dallas uh which is dallas is the worst and then and then austin and then houston if you live in dallas i'm sorry makes san antonio the yeah. least worse of the four major texas cities. i like san antonio flat out i enjoy san antonio we used to go there for vacation every year when i was a kid 
you know, go to they have Fiesta, Texas. They have the Riverwalk. It's good times. Plus, all the other rivers are nearby. New Braunfels is like a day trip. San Marcos is right up the road. Head west over to the to you know the proper hill country where the campgrounds are at. I haven't spent a lot of time in Dallas, but I had a weird impression of it. It was a strange place. I liked where my friends were living. Like you could walk and you were like at stuff. You were at restaurants and stores and stuff like real close. But when we got there, there was just abandoned cars all over the highway. I was like, wait, like it looked like people got raptured. Like it was weird, man. Weird and actually, speaking of a uh, friend of the show, Zach, he actually sent me a bunch of food recommendations, places to go while I was there. And um, there were a few of those places I actually tried to go to, but like I would get there and it was only street parking and I couldn't park anywhere nearby or I just or the area was under construction so badly. I was like, I can't do this. So I didn't get to try half those places. I did get some some good food there. Like I actually had the best ramen that I've ever had. I'm not like a big ramen guy. Cause I feel like every time I've had it, it wasn't good, but I went to ramen Tatsuya there in Austin and it was super good. And it was the best ramen I've had. So I'm like, I'm, I'm back on board good. with ramen. Now. If you ever get a chance to go to samurai noodle, uh, not sponsored by the way, but samurai noodle is hot fire. And Jinya is pretty good. Jinya is more commercial, but Jinya is pretty good. Samurai noodle is fantastic. Gotta go to ramen Ichi man over there off dairy Ashford in Houston uh, near Westheimer. That was really good. It's right next to that uh, the grocery store, the, the big Chinese or Japanese Seiwa market. Okay, okay. It's literally right next door in that same strip center. It's phenomenal. See, they Drew, will not let you take it to go. Ah. See, Drew, uh, like, you just need to be friends with my older brother because like, he's a cinephile too, and like he lives in Austin. He could have he sent you some good wrecks on food. Uh, we went to a lot of really good places. Has he ever done the Fantastic Fest experience before? I don't think so. Uh, but, but he was part of the Punderdome Comedy Festival in New York, yeah. so at least he does puns and he's hilarious. Do I need to? Do I need to brag about my brother's accomplishments? He was on Jeopardy. My brother's, yeah, my brother's a two-time Jeopardy champion, one cash cab, and is a Punderdome champion. Yeah, that's awesome. My brother's a cool dude. Uh, he has a film degree. He went to UT, so he like was in Austin a lot. He recently moved back after living in New York for like 13 years. Uh, but he's a cool dude. I think you would like him. I think y'all would get along. I haven't even met him and I already like him. He's like so me, but somehow more and less of a dick. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's a good explanation. He's probably better spoken and uh, it comes across more pompous and you come across more of a jackass. But yeah, yeah, both yeah. of you are actually very pleasant. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bet you'd like my older brother. Yeah, whereas Thomas and I both come across as just full-on jackasses. It's okay. He doesn't listen to the podcast. He hates me. He's actually in Italy right now. I just remembered. Well, I will use this point to transition because yeah. it has been a while since we've been able to talk. So this is a perfect episode for us to catch up on all the stuff that we've been checking out here recently. And I actually want to start with... Uh, Hellraiser, A, because it's October, and B, because Gary watched this too, I believe, right, I, I did. Uh, actually, when I saw it pop up on Hulu, I was like, oh, snap, let me watch this, but it was only the trailer. Uh, so I just kept following throughout the week until it actually came out, and my wife and I watched it last I, night. I've seen the Rick and Morty episode where they make fun of it. Well, have have are y'all familiar with the Hellraiser uh, franchise in general, or you know, have you yeah. watched any of the old ones? 
I'm familiar with it. I understand yes. Pinhead and you know what's going on. I haven't I haven't watched all of them. I know that it's a franchise that's like famously diminishing returns. Like the first one's pretty <laughs> solid and people like it, and then it has like ten sequels that all just continuously get worse and worse. I, I can't verify that since I haven't seen them all, but I feel like it's been um I feel like that's just enough people back that up. Man, I don't know if that's fair. I don't think that those sequels are any worse than the Friday the Thirteenth sequels. I think some of those Jason movies get real bad. Yeah, like I said, it's just I think that's just horror movie progression. I, I agree. I'm not sure if Hellraiser gets any worse on the diminishing returns than uh, than Jason does. Well, h- horror movies are so interesting in general because you know you you have these films that like the first one. Are, the first couple are made like on a really low budget and usually make decent money comparatively. So then you make sequel after sequel, then it starts to not work. So then they start to transition to almost like a more comedic angle. Like at least that's the case with Chucky and things like that. But then it it gets so stale that you kind of have two options. You either reboot it down the line or you do like a legacy sequel, kind of like what the Halloween films have done now going back to the beginning and, you know, making a sequel to the original and kind of ignoring the other sequels, things like that. Um, Hellraiser got the reboot treatment, which I feel like is probably pretty appropriate for that franchise. Like if there's any that was in need of a reboot, there's so many things that get rebooted that don't need to be. And I feel like Hellraiser is like kind of ripe for a reboot. And but you, Gary, you mentioned um, Nightmare on Elm Street and like that that got rebooted and had the one film and then fell off the face of the earth and so did uh, Friday Friday the 13th so and I thought you know both of those were good actually the, the newer Nightmare on Elm Street I guess that was like 2009 now it's not new anymore uh, but it was the guy who played Rorschach and mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job and then I actually really liked that Friday the 13th reboot also uh, he took it back to a lake kept it in a house and he killed everybody with a machete nice and simple well, what did you think of the new Hellraiser movie? The new Hellraiser, I mean, I, I didn't love it. Let's just start there. I did not love it, and I thought that most of the demons looked pretty cheesy. Uh, there were a couple that looked awesome, like the one with the teeth and his eyes covered. It was like, nah, 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 nah. You know the guy. <laughs> he did the chomp, chomp, the he chompy did, chomp. He did. He clicked his teeth and did the chomp, chomp. Mr. Nom Noms? Okay. <laughs> exactly. He was credited as Mr. Nom Noms. Was he uh, really? <laughs> no, uh, but uh, I, I thought that you know that they the, the what are they called? Not the hellites. Um, oh, the cenobites. The cenobites. I, I thought that they left a lot to be desired. I did actually think the story was fine as far as the Hellraiser story goes because it had that cool kind of you knew how many people needed to be killed. Uh, there was a twist which I wasn't expecting. I'm not sure if it was a good twist, but there was a twist, uh, so that was nice. And uh, I thought the final act was a little long. Once they got to that final museum uh, with the gates, they, they kind of stayed in there for like 40 minutes trying to solve the problem. Uh, and, and I felt like it kind of stalled out in the end. I it's did... a little longer than you would expect, isn't it? Almost two hours long. Yes, and it did, I didn't think it needed to be. That final Our act could have been don't half. need to be that long. The actual pinhead, the Hellraiser herself, the, the lead demon, uh, I thought she was great. I thought it was actually all of the other ones that that sort of lacked the substance I was looking for. Uh, there were definitely chains in the movie. People got ripped in half. There were bloody machines, uh, clockwork type of things. So uh, it had all the stuff I wanted. 
it just, when it hit that final act, it, it lost a lot of steam. And all I could think was, this has nothing on 13 Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> 13 Ghosts is solid. Yeah, it is. It, it holds up, too. I've seen it recently. The, uh, the reason I, I think I would compare them is because at the end of 13 Ghosts, you know, they're in that giant mansion. There's ghosts everywhere, sort of every which way you look. Uh, that's kind of how the final act in Hellraiser is, is they're, they're saved by these gates. And sort of every gate you look out, there's these, you know, demons. But none of the demons are doing what the, the ghosts of 13 Ghosts did. They're, they're not really making you feel that dread and that fear. They're not that gross or that scary. Uh, they look they look like pie, right? Some of them look like pie, yes, because the skin is like, yeah, their skin is peeled back and folded over in interesting shapes, and the more they use that, the more it looks like pie in giant sections. When you use it in small sections, it works great. When you use it in large sections, it looks like kneaded dough. Uh, Yeah, so, like I said, there's, a lot of them are, like, peeled apart with, like, wires and strings and stuff, too, and so it kind of takes this kind of gross human element out of it and makes it look like a costume because there are extra pieces on the person. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that's, that's it. I mean, I could complain about that all day, but besides that, it was watchable. Uh, they could make more Hellraisers and keep that same Hellraiser. I would just like to see more work on the demons. Yeah, I, I, I'm right in line with you. Like, I, I was overall positive on it, but like in the, yeah, it was fine since I, I reviewed it for Nerdtropolis. Spoiler, I think I gave it like three out, a three out of five. So like, you know, it was fine. That's probably fair. Um, like, yeah, six out of ten, however, however you want to put it. Um, I thought it was a solid reboot. I thought, you know, it was fun enough. I saw it with the full I got to see it on a on a theater screen, which was nice compared to Hulu, and I was in a packed house, so I feel like you kind of get that festival bump when you're seeing it there with a full crowd of people that are big fans of the franchise and such. Um But I mean I still was like, Yeah, it was fine. And um I think that the the reception coming out of the festival was, was positive, but I have of course perused like some Reddit comments and such. Cause I tend to do that, uh, the discussion for it. And it was definitely a little bit more mixed. Like a lot of people complaining that the, the lead character was unlikable and they were just one hoping that she would die and things. Like, and I'm like, I get it. I get it from having seen it. The lead character wasn't great. Yeah. But I, it, it also, I don't know. I thought the story was compelling and almost because I agree, if she would have died, it wouldn't. Have, it w- I wouldn't have been heartbroken. And I think that that sort of lends something to the movie instead of takes away. Yes, yes, I agree. And I'll say this, Jahan, we were talking about the skin peeling stuff. This is a spoiler for the movie. I won't say how or why it happens, but like if, towards the end of the movie, you get to see a new Cenobite basically being created, mm-hmm. and the effects there of like. He's a, a guy, you know, the skin peeling and things had like the body morphing into it. I thought it was a highlight of it. And that was like the, kind of the most gory. It's pretty sick. The movie got. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I have every intention of watching this. You know, I need I need some good Halloween time uh, stuff. But a my- lot of a lot, a lot of practical effects in mm-hmm. this, which I really liked. Uh, it, you know, if you're going to do some cheesy stuff on screen, don't use CG because it's going to look bad and age badly. Uh, the stuff Drew's talking about with the skin peeling, it's all practical effects and it looks, mm-hmm. it looks cheesy, but it looks good in this, in the same breath. There's, there's some kind of classic horror vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how to explain it other than when you see it, you'll be like, oh yeah, that is, it's classic. There's a real classic shot there. 
Yes. Yeah, 100%. I don't know what it is with my Halloween movies, but I have like my tradition. I, you know, I like to watch Over the Garden Wall, and I like to watch Hocus Pocus. Every now and again, I'll throw a Halloween Town in there. Uh, hey, you've actually just created the perfect segue from Hellraiser to Hocus Pocus Two. You watched the sequel, correct? <laughs> yeah, we all did. Well, well, or tried to. <laughs> we, <laughs> we all. It was on all of our TVs at one point or another. Fair. Yeah. Well, well, I'll say this. The original Hocus Pocus came out in, what, 93? Yeah. I know as a kid, I saw it in theaters. It was definitely one that I would watch every year at Halloween as a kid, whether it was on Disney Channel or whatever. It's not a movie I grew up like, oh, I love it. It's the greatest movie ever. But I always liked it. And it was kind of, it became a Halloween staple. So it's one that I definitely have nostalgia for but it's not one that i'm like you know i'll go to bat for necessarily like i understand if it has its issues or or, you know whatever but it's just one that i kind of hold near i definitely have nostalgia for it i think it's fair to say that hocus pocus is a halloween classic uh i think that's a fair statement i think it's a bad movie (laughs) but that doesn't mean it's not a halloween classic Right, I mean, and that's, yeah. I think that's fair. It's, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's just not, you know, like, oh, wow, what a great movie. It's, no, not, it's like, it's like three out of ten bad. But that's part of its charm. It's I, bad. The acting is over the top. The fucking costumes are cheesy, like, witch stereotypical costumes of what you would expect a 90s straight to, to VHS Disney movie to make. I know it came to theaters, but... It's in line with some just really absurd, like the, the fake stuffed cat, the really cheesy looking zombie guy. Uh, it's just low production and it was always kind of bad. But I think that's what made it a classic because if they had tried to make it good, it would not have been good. It was a kid's Halloween movie and it was bad. Well, the original Hocus Pocus, I think it's interesting, too, because if I have my facts straight, I don't have this in front of me. I'm not looking it up, but I'm I'm pretty sure I've read this before that it was not like a big box office success when it came out. Like it didn't do that well, but it's had legs over the years because so many kids in our generation liked it and would rent it every year. It's now been re-released in theaters at Halloween. So like it's had legs, incredible legs that it you know, has made more money over the years. But when it first came out, it's not like it was this huge mega hit, but it has stuck around with our generation for whatever reason. Cause it's good. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, I was not one of the people clamoring that we needed a sequel, whatever. I mean, if they were going to do one, they needed to bring back Bette Midler and the original I was actresses. excited but... for the idea of it a while ago. I got, I was less excited for it when it actually finally happened. But I mean, I was like, Hey, I'll watch it straight to Disney plus. Hell yeah. Yep. And, and it's here. And so now here we are. Hocus Pocus two. And, uh, I thought this was pretty bad actually. Like, See everything that Gary said about the original, I would translate to this, this like, like how he feels about the first one is how I feel about it. You know, it is hokey. It's not, you know, the acting's terrible. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's not the best, but I mean, it has something to it. It's a good movie to watch with your kids. I would say, uh, I paused the movie when it happened 
Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy and Jimmy do not appear on the screen in the movie until I think the 27 or 28 minute mark. Yeah. So almost a third of the way into the movie is when they actually show up for the first time in a movie that's not much longer than an hour. And I think it's like an hour and 36 minutes. So I was like the first for me, the first third of it was like excruciating because I just felt like it was struggling. It wasn't funny. I, I was like, the whole reason this movie was made was to bring these three actresses back as these roles that they made famous, you know, almost 30 years ago. And it takes half an hour to even get there. I was like, oh, come on. And it really could have been, you know, a 20 minute, 40 minute short of just the witches doing whatever they're going to do. And Disney could just release like Hocus Pocus shorts. They don't need a whole movie. They didn't need the tertiary characters that were supposed to be the primary characters. They were very uninteresting. Their stories were terrible. Uh, And Hocus Pocus 2 is top tier dog shit. Uh, (laughs) It's not the best. It was the karaoke scenes that got me. Uh, as bad as the as, as Hocus right. Pocus is, once you start having like kids pop versions of karaoke songs shoved into your movie, I am totally out. Yeah, the singing was and annoying. In the first, in the first one, it was more organic. Like you could kind of tell that uh, Winifred like realized like that this was a thing. She had heard a song earlier, and she improvises. But in this, like they have all this modern knowledge. All of a sudden, uh, they're doing a lot of like it, they were acting very out of out of character. Uh, I thought it was weird. The stuff with them as kids was pretty unnecessary, especially considering they use that to introduce. Um, that stuff was awful. Yeah, they, just they, so bad. It was, and it was the overuse of like the old era English that they were using with the thous and thighs and just it was it was awful but the giant teeth on the kid were awesome she looked (laughs) funny Uh, I mean the best part was the Ted Lasso lady looking fine uh, as Hannah Waddingham does does appear luckily I don't feel like there was any any you know, hit to her reputation appearing in this. She's in it for so short, such a short time. Yeah, when she was on screen, I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't recommend Hocus Pocus two unless you're my enemy. <laughs> I, I just I, and Jahan, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like the first movie had the the big musical number, so it was like this one felt that it had to do that. And yeah. it was just so forced. And, it was very and forced. the first one did not leave me questioning. Of course I was a kid, but it didn't leave me wondering like, how do they know the song or anything like that? This one, I, I just was distracted. Exactly. Was like, it was really, weird. doesn't even make sense. And then like the Roomba thing was dumb. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciated that since her th- broom was a vacuum. In the I last thought movie, it was so funny was when she was flying on them. That was fine. But when they became like these, like some semi sentient animals, uh, that, that was just a little. I know that that maybe that sounds like a weird nitpick to an outside perspective, but it, it was just unnecessary. They were like trying to make a cutesy little thing. Boom. You hit the nail on the head. It was unnecessary. Hocus Pocus, too. A lot of really bad like, <laughs> fart jokes and stuff that were dubbed in too, like just unnecessarily added for comedy. I was like, and this is terrible. Which ones? Like bad fart jokes and stuff. I don't like, remember any fart they jokes. They would make the uh, Kathy and Jimmy's character, Mary Sanderson. Like she was always kind of the butt of jokes. Oh, where, she like, was she, just dropping she, farts? 
Yeah, and it's like, why? Why? Why are you doing this? Um, because it's a sequel to a terrible movie from the 90s. That's why. And it's the last a bad thing, sequel for a bad movie. The last thing I'll even say about it is even at the beginning when Tony Hale shows up, who is an actor that has been in a lot of things that I like, you know, from Arrested Development and Veep and things like that, where he's like very, you know, a very good comedy actor. And I actually really like him as the voice of uh He's the voice of Forky in Toy Story 4, but he appears in this as like the mayor, but he's also the, you know, in the flashback scene at the beginning too. He's just become the go-to guy for these CG real life hybrid kind of movies or Disney Disney Plus type stuff. Like he's in this. He was in Clifford the Big Red Dog last year. He's in one of the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Like he's just like the go-to guy that when you need checks. You need that. Yeah. You need someone. Man, um, I should send my stuff to his agent. I would love to be in terrible CG movies. <laughs> yeah. I would, man, if I was making millions of dollars being in terrible CG movies, hell yeah. Man, if I was making tens of dollars being in Garfield sequels, you better bet your ass I would be on set. That's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. I, yeah, I so too I, hate Mondays. So I think we can all uh, agree that it is not certified fresh. It's not good. No, it's not. Uh, no, it's it's unnecessary. It's stinky. It's gooey, and it should go underneath but, the bottom shelf. Just sweep it under there and forget about it. If you have children, they'll sit there and watch and eat their Halloween candy and probably shut up for an hour and a half. So, yes. You know? It is a good. I mean, it's fine to put your kids in front of. It's it's not. It, honestly, if as a parent, there are worse things to have to have on the TV. <laughs> it's not. You know, it's not like it's Baby Shark or something. Speaking of worse things to have on the TV, talk about Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I did see Lyle Lyle Crocodile. I reviewed it for uh, Nerdtropolis, and I went into this with an open mind. I talk about CG. You know, real life hybrid. Movies is based off of a, a classic book series. And uh, I thought it'd be fun because I knew he's a singing crocodile, right? Like, sure, this is going to be fun. It doesn't and, sound uh, fun. That sounds really bad. It would only be fun if he was secretly a serial killer. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, unfortunately, it's so the whole premise is Javier Bardem is in this movie. And he's actually really good in it because he's just going all out like he knows he's in a kid's family movie and he's just being over the top and i appreciate that he knew what kind of movie he was in and it's just not what you usually see from him being like a showman because uh, that's what he is he's a performer and he finds lyle and, and raises him um, but then has to leave to go try and cobble together money by performing so he leaves lyle at this house a new family moves in and all of a sudden they've discovered they have a singing singing crocodile living in their attic and uh, the thing that's weird about this so sean mendez famous singer uh, voices lyle but lyle cannot speak he only sings Get the fuck i don't out of here. i don't know why that and sounds only awful he can't it's, speak it's because he sings it's because crocodiles don't have lips drew I, I mean sure sure <laughs> let's go with that so he's so like sean mendez as a singer turned actor like doesn't actually have to do any voice acting in the proper sense he only sings so he gets an easy job but I mean, the whole thing's just kind of cobbled together. There's some musical numbers and those are fun. But like if the movie just devoted itself to being a fun musical, it, it would be something entertaining. But it, it doesn't. They're few and far between. The movie barely makes any sense. It just wasn't good. And I always feel weird going hard on a children's movie like this because it's just that it's a kid's movie. Like 
I, I was in the press screening I went to there. There were kids that were allowed in and like they were having a good time. So, you know, I'm the the old curmudgeon that's sitting at the bottom like this is garbage while all these kids are around me having a good Look, time. Look, man, so, some kids movies are good yeah, and some, some are terrible. Are phenomenal. And yeah. I appreciate that you can tell us when some are bad. Yeah, uh, yeah some are great. It's just I don't think Lyle Lyle Crocodile is even good on paper. Maybe Sean Mendez is like some sort of like idiot that can't like talk or something. It can only sing. Maybe it's maybe it's Sean Mendez that can only sing, and they had I, to adapt. I would have also said that Sing would have been a terrible movie and a terrible idea, but people seem to have really liked Sing, and sing then was there was a Sing Two that I think totally tanked for reasons I don't understand. If no, Sing like- Two did really well. It just okay. was in the pandemic era, so it didn't do as okay. crazily well as the first sense. one did. Because the yep. first one, like. Yeah, it was this like huge hit out of nowhere. Lyle Lyle Crocodile. It's not the new sing. Later. No, it's good. definitely not the new sing. So, yeah, I mean, kids will like it, but it's not it's not a good movie. So it is what it is. I have a few other movies that I was going to talk about. Um, I want you to talk about this next moment. one real quick, because I want to know. I'm curious. Yeah, Triangle of Sadness. Oh. So Triangle of Sadness is a it's a satire, you know, black comedy by a guy named Ruben Ostland, who's a a Swedish filmmaker. And he's had some some famous movies come out. He had a movie (laughs) called Force Majeure. Why is Jahan laughing? One of the one of the pictures, you know, how I image search it, put it up is a woman like projectile vomit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. This movie has a lot of vomit in it. Um, a lot what? of fecal matter as well. It's on screen, right? <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, so yeah. So this is satire, black comedy. Ruben Oslin, the the filmmaker, he's made a couple movies here recently with a lot of praise. One's called Force Majeure, and one is called The Square. And Force Majeure actually got an American remake, um, because the original movie is a Swedish movie. But the the American remake's called Downhill. And it has Will Ferrell and Julia yeah, Louis-Dreyfus. I've seen in it. the original, and the original's really good. And the Will yes. Ferrell <laughs> remake is garbage. So it's yeah, the whole premise of that movie is uh, really funny. like a family on a tree, uh, and there's a, an avalanche, and the dad runs away to protect himself instead of protecting his family, and it's like the drama that ensues it's from that. Really funny. That's that's the premise of that one. But uh, trying to watch this is Ruben Oslin's first American or, you know, English feature. And uh, it's got Woody Harrelson in it, actually, in a Ooh. small role. He's like the the kind of the name that they're attaching to it. Okay. But uh, it, the whole thing is just kind of a, um, the, the satire is all about the, the rich, the rich and the wealthy, right? So it's like a lot of people who are models or influencers are rich and they're all on this, you know, super nice yacht. And there is just a really bad storm. And so everybody's getting seasick. So there's just, uh, you know, vomit galore and everything. And then there's a third act that I don't want to spoil what happens and everything. But it's it's just a total examination of the of the class structure and and, you know, how the rich interact with the, the people who work on the boat and the, and those that do, you know, like the cleaning and the laundry and things like that. And it's like how. um I don't know. It's just a, it's a very interesting look at it. I think the movie overall was, was decent. Like I'd give it a three out of three and a half 
out of five probably um but yeah the, the, if you watch the trailer for this or look at some of the images of just people puking everywhere there is a good sequence in that so if you're squeamish uh i watched this at 8 a.m in the morning <laughs> that's really screening. funny and uh that's how i started my day <laughs> that's a really good way to start your day though <laughs> uh, but Worth noting, wow. one of the things that had me interested in this. So this movie won the Palme d'Or at, at Cannes Film Festival. That's like their highest honor at that festival. So, it, you know, has won a lot of the awards. Palme d'Or what? Th- that's that's the, that's what it's called. Palme d'Or fist or <laughs> Palme d'Or hand. Palme d'Or tree. Finger. The Grand Prix day. Day yada yada do festival international do film right isn't it pricks <laughs> pricks are for kids oh, oh boy oh boy um so anyway so yeah so that's triangle of sadness I believe it is getting a release in theaters maybe later this month I might have a limited release out now but yeah so it's an interesting one for sure I don't think I was. I wasn't like over the moon for it, but it had some good moments and it is a like an, I like these kinds of satires and black comedies and things like that. Like I, I if they have something interesting to say, and this one did. You can get so, a yeah. lot of trouble releasing in a theater. True. Hey, you know, I don't know where we're going next. That's what happened <laughs> to Paul Rubens and he got his career back. Is that Pee Wee Herman? It is. <laughs> The last movie I wanted to speak about was Don't Worry Darling, um, which has been in the media a lot for reasons that are more about the production surrounding the film and the drama on set and the things that have been happening in the press press circuit. But this is, um, you know, directed by Olivia Wilde, yeah. who an actress who and previously directed Booksmart. So which that was received really well and this was a highly highly anticipated movie out of her it stars florence Pugh, who's like a huge up-and-coming star and also harry styles who's the biggest pop star in the world right now so like that's a pretty big deal that this is kind of his true his first acting debut and then uh and chris pine is is in it as well and there was just a lot of uh back and forth in the media with this and everything around it um and the fact of the matter is there's there's been a lot of reviews that I think have been ripping it apart and they're and they're justified in doing so. But I think a lot of it's just because of people being tired of hearing about it in the press or whatever. But the the fact of the matter is the movie is is just perfectly fine. Like it's you know, <laughs> it, it's it's not bad, but it's yeah. also not good. It just kind of is, is what it is. is no, he's actually not very good. In it. <laughs> Florence Pugh is is really good in it, and is the only thing really holding the movie together. Um, and Chris Pine is is all right. They're the only ones that really seem to know what they're doing in this. But um, yeah, it's just somebody else could have probably directed this film, or you know, whatever, and it would have been a lot better. It just, I, I don't know. It's it's pretty disappointing. After Booksmart was pretty promising, and. Yeah, it's just I don't think it's as bad as some of the critics are saying, because yeah. I think, again, it's just the media machine around this one has been weird, but it's but it's not good. So I understand that it's it's an easy movie uh, to pick on right now. And uh, 
yeah, it's it's like staggeringly okay. Like it, it's a two and a half out of five for sure. Dang. So uh, oh, out of I, five, okay, that's okay. Do you have you have y'all seen the trailers for this? Like, do you know what what the plot is about? I haven't really even gone into that. So basically, it's a um, uh, it's like it's like a nineteen fifties sixties you know scenario where they all live in these little like perfect homes and the the men all go off to work during the day and the wives stay home and they clean the house and they they you know make the dinner and they do whatever but it's like kind of unclear what the men do for work and then um Florence Pugh starts to like notice some odd behavior from other people and then it kind of be- becomes clear that something's up you know that not all is as it seems in this little town and it has a very kind of stepford wives uh feel to it and such so there's like a mystery at hand as far as like where are they what where do, what do their husbands do and chris pine is like the mastermind behind it all like he's the boss of it all and so uh See, that actually sounds really cool yeah in theory like that premise sounds interesting in execution it's it's pretty lackluster is it is it kind of like a village situation I mean, do you want me to spoil? I'll I spoil it not. for you. It sounds like that's what's going on, but you don't have to spoil it. I mean, okay, I won't. I won't spoil it now. But yeah, so that's uh, that's don't worry, darling. Just an incredibly um, mediocre film, but not necessarily the worst thing ever, uh, which is what you would think based on kind of how it's been represented in the media recently. The only movie of note that I have seen recently is on Peacock. And it's called Brian and Charles. Uh, I thought it was going to be a TV series when I first saw the trailer for it. And I turned it on and the episode just didn't end. And then about an hour and 40 minutes later, I was like, oh, this is a movie. Uh, I was just <laughs> totally invested in it. Uh, it's a really quirky, strange British comedy, low budget. Uh, and it's an inventor who makes terrible terrible inventions that just fall apart or they don't work and then he moves on and makes another terrible invention and another and another and that's just how he gets by well he ends up making a mannequin slash washing machine robot ai that like fully understands everything and wants to be a real person and uh, this is just this story of this guy and his weird washing machine robot in their small town in england and uh you know, there's like a local town bully who wants to get his hands on the robot. The robot watches TV and he sees things that he wants to go outside and do. So uh, I, I think it's totally watchable. If you like British comedy, if you like kind of strange, quirky comedy, for sure. Uh, you know, this isn't some huge box office Hollywood comedy. This is a, a really a lot of quiet, awkward moments and strange shots and a real cheeky robot talking smack back to his uh, quirky human dad. Uh, I definitely recommend Brian and Charles on Peacock. On Peacock, okay. I've been wanting to check out Peacock here recently. I feel like it's the less, the less, maybe least talked about of of the streamers of the big streamers. And I think people are sleeping on Peacock. I think it's coming around. Well, they just added Beast, the new Idris Elba 
horror movie with the lion, and I, I haven't watched that one yet, and it's on there, so I might be, I might be checking out Peacock. Peacock has a WWE section, too, and all of the pay-per-views come on Peacock live, so you don't have to pay to see them. They're free on Peacock the day they're on, so right now... Stream Rules is actually on tonight. Yes, that's what I'm I was going to say. going to catch the end of it, probably, after we're done recording. One. Extreme Rules is on tonight. It started, you know, two hours ago, and I've got Peacock, so I'll go watch it right after this, and I'm going to enjoy think, every second of it. I think we're going to get a Bray Wyatt return tonight. I think it's happening. Ooh, I don't want to check Twitter, but you're probably right. I've seen some some Bray Wyatt teases in the coming in the past weeks. I'm not even following wrestling, and I think Bray Wyatt's coming back because I've seen a bunch of stuff about him <laughs> showing up. So. I want to. I do want to talk about Peacock while I'm talking about Peacock, though. Um, I've really been enjoying it. Like I said, I've been watching wrestling on there, but SmackDown and Raw don't come on until like three weeks later, which is really weird. I still watch oh, those on strange. Hulu. It is. I'm sure there's some kind of deal with Hulu getting live viewing. Uh, a Peacock, mm-hmm. I think, will eventually have wrestling, but now SmackDown's on Fox, so who knows. Uh, but talking about Peacock, I have been watching Resident Alien, and I cannot recommend this show enough. I recommend it on Twitter. I recommend it in every single group of people and friends I'm talking to. I talked about it a little bit last week, and now I'm almost done with season two. Uh, season three has been approved as of this past summer, so they're going to have another 12-episode order coming out. Um, it's just so funny. Watching Alan Tudyk act like a totally bizarre human-alien person and then everyone else not selling it. it, it by by like the second season, they're used to him being strange. And so he just says absurd things or just has the most bizarre tone to his voice, and people just keep talking like he's not even there. Uh, it, it's just, uh, they, they keep adding more icing on the cake. It turns out the guy whose body he took over had a wife and they have a kid and he was involved in crime. And so he's tied into all of these different storylines that he doesn't know about. So it's sort of like the amnesia storyline, except the character is an alien who didn't do any of these things and he's experiencing all the fallout. Um, resident alien, super funny, great cast, pretty good ensemble. There's just a character named Darcy who, my God, by the season two, she is just on my nerves. Uh, She gets too much screen time. And other than that, I love the show. Check out Resident Alien, especially if you're a fan of anything Alan Tudyk has done. And I think everyone likes something Alan Tudyk's done. I heard of the show for the first time like a year ago. I had a friend in Oklahoma that was watching it and kind of the same thing. Like he he was, he was praising it, but it was almost like he was shouting it out to nobody. Like nobody would really listen to him. I'm not sure. Has this show aired on cable or has it just been a streaming only show? It's a sci-fi show. Ah, okay. Ah. So no one's going to watch it on sci-fi, right? So you're only going to really be able to catch it on Peacock these days. Man, sci-fi. And for sci-fi to like... I can't believe they would afford Alan Tudyk as a lead for a recurring TV show. Like that's kind of strange to me. So I wonder if it is a Peacock original slash sci-fi, like if they bought it together. Um, Alan Tudyk to me is not the type of guy who goes off to do a sci-fi original TV series, uh, unless there's a lot of money or the script is really good. It is based off of a comic book I read, or, or maybe a comic book series or graphic novel under the same name, Resident Alien. Uh, so I'm sure that's also really funny and really good. All right. So, so resident alien certified fresh. Absolutely. There's also this layer of whodunit murder mystery baked into the whole show throughout. So if 
there's something for everybody to like. I got my brother hooked on it. I'm trying to get everybody else hooked on it. Uh, Resident Alien. Peacock. I, and then yeah, I actually what's... just looked at Peacock Crisis, and it's not too bad. I have, I'm an Xfinity subscriber, so I get it for, for oh, free. Okay. Oh, now. okay. Let me just whew, let me brush that off my shoulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's this other show, Gary? The, the last thing I've been watching is on Hulu, and it is Wrexham. Uh, there's only one person in the world who I'm trying to get to watch this show actively, and that's Connor, because he's my only friend that is a soccer fan or a football fan, if you live in any other country that's not this one. Uh, Wrexham is starring Rob McElhinney. I know of this. Okay. Uh, and sorry, Ryan Reynolds. Continue. Sorry to interrupt um, you. So when I first saw this show, I saw it pop up a couple of months ago, and I thought maybe this is like a sitcom, uh, and I was like, eh. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for this sitcom. And then I saw a bit online with the two of them at like a cooking show with a Welsh uh, instructor who's teaching them some Welsh. And it's just (laughs) those two ribbing each other back and forth. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this gem of a show that has Rob and Ryan just ribbing each other? I found out it's Wrexham. Well, it's the real show. It's a documentary. They pitched in. They bought a soccer team a Welsh soccer team that's one of the original clubs. And um, it follows the first season and how they have to change out some management and some players and spend a lot more money than they thought they were going to. Uh, it And then it goes into their second season. And I thought it was going to be like maybe six episodes since it's a documentary, maybe eight. But I think now there's 12. And I think there are more coming. So I just don't know how many episodes of Wrexham I'm going to get. But there are just more and more and more. And it's a good way to invest you. If you don't know a lot about soccer, they'll teach you a little bit about that. Uh, Ryan and Rob seem like great team owners because they're going around trying to figure out what the town wants and what the town likes. Uh, you know, they're not just like iron fisting the team the way that they want it to be. Um, they're yeah, great you guys. You don't want to iron fist your, your soccer team. You don't want to fist anybody with an iron fist, really. No. Uh, especially not the Welsh. Um, I think <laughs> I think that Wrexham is uh, in, you know, in the age of Ted Lasso. It's really kind of a, another fun perspective to like. What if two American celebrities bought a soccer team, but instead of a show, it's a doc. It's like they they did do it, and they are trying to bring positive vibes and make the city a better place and make the town better and help people. And it's kind of a feel good documentary show. Uh, I recommend Wrexham, but I also like Ryan Reynolds, and I always have. And I like Rob McElhinney, and I always have. So maybe I'm biased, um, but I don't care much about soccer, and I very much like Welcome to Wrexham. And that's on Hulu. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this, but it's like, like I've seen it, but you're the first person I know that's actually taken the time to sit and watch it. So the first few episodes are mostly just zoom calls between Rob and Ryan and the team owners and stuff. They're trying to set it up. They're trying to get approved for, from the league to even buy the team. Then they have to meet with the prospects to make sure that, you know, the people in the town even like them or want them to own the team. So it's just like zoom calls and zoom calls and zoom calls, which to me is super interesting because I'm watching them buy a team, but I could see other people just being like, Holy crap, this show is boring and it's not funny and it's not going anywhere. Uh, but I, I, if you want to see the ownership side of a team, uh, this is all about that. And the soccer leagues in England, which I didn't know about this in, in the UK, you lose. If you're at the bottom of your league, you go down a league. 
and the team that's at the top of that league comes up. So a triple-A baseball team could be a pro team, and the Yankees could lose their way down to a triple-A league. And so they bought this old classic team that's sort of at the bottom, and they're trying to push this team up the the rungs, and they're almost stuck in player hell, where you either have to pay for the most expensive people who are at the prime of their career or injured or, or aging, or you have to hope you have some great rookies who are willing to keep small paychecks to stay with you. So they're just really caught in an interesting place. And I think the show just, it's very interesting to me. Uh, And uh, I recommend Welcome to Wrexham. Very cool. Nice. uh, John, I was looking at your list because I feel like I'm sorry. I feel like we haven't called on you in in a hot minute. I mostly watch like the stuff we all watch. So I'm going to propose this live on the air, but how about we'll table the rings of power discussion a, because I'm not caught up. You're not caught up. The finale, I believe airs on Friday of this week, this upcoming. So we'll see before we record again. So next weekend we can do kind of a full retrospective. That's fine. Rings of power. I can really dig into it. I'll, uh, with both I'll talk about, talk about one other show really quick. Um, one that I jumped into, and uh, and that's Euphoria. Have either of y'all watched Euphoria? Just curious. Nope. Euphoria is on HBO, right? Yes. I have not watched it. I've seen the splash. It looks okay. It looks intriguing. I don't necessarily recommend it for you in particular, Gary. Okay. And, and I'll say, and I'll explain why. So I've, I've been interested in watching Euphoria for a while just because um, two things. One, it's the, I think at the end of the second season, it's become the second most watched show in HBO history behind Game of Thrones. So this show is immensely popular, especially with uh, younger folks like, high school age kids, high school, college age kids, like very, very, very popular. And because of that, a lot of the stars of the show are kind of like all the new hot commodities, like are all super high rising stock essentially in the entertainment world. Obviously Zendaya is the lead of the show who she's one of the most famous people alive right now, as far as, especially to that young demographic. Yeah. She's, um, and a lot of the other people in this show, like uh, Jacob Elordi and and Sydney Sweeney, and and even Hunter Schaefer is is in the show, and she just got cast in the new uh, Hunger Games prequel. Sydney Sweeney was in the White Lotus, but has also been cast in uh, the Madam Web movie that Sony is making in their oh, yeah. Spider Man universe. So you know, all these folks are getting getting work now and have high rising stock. So I, I wanted to jump into it and it's basically the general premise is like Zendaya plays a, a, a drug addict, a high school drug addict who's, you know, been to rehab and is recovering and dealing with those things. And uh, it's, it's all high school kids balancing like love addiction, drug abuse, toxic relationships, social media, mental illness, like, sobriety high school it sounds like degrassi with a better budget yes and it's and at first as i was watching the show i was kind of like i can't believe that this exists like that it's showing high school kids doing the things that they're doing in the show granted all the people playing high school kids in the show are a little bit older you know they're not actually underage but like i don't know just the things you see in the show i was 
like what and it almost it, when you first start watching it, i feel like it kind of uh glorifies drug use in a way when you're first watching like i'm sitting there watching knowing that my you know 15 year old niece watches this show and i'm watching it horrified like i would never let my children watch this show that's how i felt watching it uh, as like the old man with the broom shaking it that's funny um so that being said i i wanted to check out the show just from that standpoint and i've watched the there's two seasons i watched the first season i completed the first season and i watched also they had two specials that aired during the covid era Uh, i watched those as well so i just haven't seen the newest season that aired earlier this year Uh, and i am going to catch up on it it, it's it's actually it's a it's a really good show i mean it's good i understand the hype behind it um it does I think go into a lot of issues that you don't normally see on screen, especially with high school kids. But Gary, I just worry for you, like with your pr- former employment and what you did. And like, I, I don't know if it would be triggering at all seeing like these kids doing all these drugs and things. Yeah. But... I probably don't need to watch any kids overdose or get uh, sexually molested. I could probably mm-hmm. go without that. And generally when you're talking about the problems in America and the things that plague high school aged kids here, that's uh, your guess. Those, yeah. those are things that happen here. Those are very real problems in our country. Yep. Those are good guesses. And yeah. I would, I would also be willing to bet there's more than one suicide that happens throughout the tenure of this show. I, uh, yeah, it's just one of those where well. when you're watching this show, knowing that this is what all of our youth are watching, like it's kind of horrifying. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, Jesus, when I was. That, that's what exactly what I was going to uh, say. What did we watch growing up? You know, first off, watched... everyone in my school was having sex and doing drugs. Like, I, I lived this. Like, I saw. I mean, I wasn't one of the kids doing any of that stuff, but. I was, was super, everywhere. I know that it was happening. I was super naive to all of it. I wasn't Absolutely. one of the kids doing that stuff until high school, Gary. <laughs> there you go. I saw you oh. looking at me. Uh, but yeah. I'm talking about, like, in middle school. Like, kids were doing drugs and having sex, and it was crazy. I remember kids bringing uh, uh, vodka in water bottles to middle school. I remember a kid gave me, I was like, I I want some of that fruit punch, and he gave it to me, and it was Everclear, and I drank too much without realizing it because I was thirsty. And then I was intoxicated for a class against my will, so that was cool. And then... You know, kids were putting, they were soaking tampons and alcohol and putting them in their butts at my school. Kids were slinging pills, like, left and right all through high school. We were warned via intercom of a a chlamydia outbreak. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's real. (laughs) But also, like, the stuff I was watching, man, we were watching messed up videos on... On YouTube, stuff you would download off of LimeWire and stuff. And it was I'm thinking like, this is HBO, and this is, you know, Drew's talking about 15-year-olds. So you're talking about high school age. I was watching Sopranos, Band of Brothers, and, you know, a bunch of other horrible stuff with prostitutes getting shot and murdered and things like that. So, I saw videos of people actually dying. <laughs> like, so I don't, I don't know if this is any worse than what we were watching at that age. But fair, I get when enough. you have a 15-year-old niece, it's, it feels a little close to home. We're this trying is a true to blue HBO. This is true blue HBO show too, right? Where HBO has always been the one yeah. to push the limits and show the things that other stations weren't. So this is like right in line with their brand, you know? Um, yeah. HBO is going to get a season three. This is the show's going to continue for, I'm sure the foreseeable future. They're not going to want to keep it going as long as they can. But uh, yeah, so I jumped into it to see, see what it's all about. And uh, it is good, but man, it's, it's horrifying in, in, another, in a weird way. Yeah, so no, that, that is, was that was me trying to make you feel better about your niece watching it. 
She'll be fine. I do appreciate that. <laughs> she's 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 got her shit together. I, mean, I also well. have my so niece stuff. and my co- my cousin's about your niece's age, and then my niece is about your daughter's age. So, like, I, I feel you. I understand. I I do want to say this. I have a big. I see Jahan on your list. You have She Hulk, and I think are we all caught up on She Hulk? Uh, Gary doesn't watch it. Oh, Gary, Gary, you quit She Hulk. Okay, fair enough. She Hulk. We it's, it's one that we can also um, we can tackle next week. Han with Rings of Power because I believe both of those, those have their finales, so we can kind of talk about those in a little more detail. I do like She Hulk. Uh, I've I was behind, but I'm caught up now. And but I will say I have beef with the show. Um, I've gone on the record here as to discuss my how I, I dug into the Sopranos and had been watching it and had gone through the first two seasons. And I just started the third season here recently after taking a little break. And you got spoiled on uh, the Sopranos by oh Shield. She dropped massive. It's Sopranos been like spoilers. 10 years. Well, that's the thing. Like, I feel like I can't get mad at the show because yeah. it's like literally a 20 year old show that they're spoiling. So I feel like, you know, statute of limitations we're, we're beyond it but like i'm just like what are the chances that i finally decide to sit down and watch the show and she hulk of all things is gonna drop major soprano spoilers I, in the middle of the fourth episode i think that that's hilarious <laughs> oh yeah I think it's something at my expense of course you do it's really funny but i was definitely I was wrong like, in that episode. I was mad that yeah. it was getting spoiled for me. Yeah, but think about the reality of it, right? Everyone's watching. Everybody's watching She-Hulk sitting around across the country. You, all these people are sitting there watching She-Hulk, right? And they're like, Sopranos spoilers. It's like, all right, whatever. And then they're like, you flash over to Drew. He's like, oh, come on! <laughs> that's, <exactly laughs> like, you know, that's really funny, man. Exactly what happened. It's really funny. It wasn't even as much of a arms raised up. Oh, come on. It was really more of like a deflated sigh Aww. when it happened. It was just like, oh, that's, almost <laughs> funny. that's, that's almost way funny. better. Uh, <laughs> Your soul died. <laughs> it, I mean, that's truly what happened. Like if you had been watching me, you probably would have just seen my eyes gloss over and turn gray. Oh, I love it. That's so good. A piece of you died that day. Thank you. She true. Maybe I should watch it. I like She-Hulk a lot. And the most recent episode is great, and the character that they introduced in the most recent episode, uh, really, really funny. So. <laughs> I, I just find it to be... Gary, I know you had is- your issues with the comedy of it. I just find it to be inherently watchable. Like, you just... It's yeah. like eating candy. Like, you, they're, the episodes are quick and fun, and it they're just flies fun. by. And I find myself laughing out loud, like, consistently. I like, think that she is super cringy, and the the comedy of that show does not hit for me. It hits hard for me. I like it, but I also I laugh at sitcoms. So like, uh, I like it's definitely more in line with that. Like a like a feels like it could have been an ABC, you know, primetime sitcom. I don't think that's a good review because sitcoms are trash. I I like sitcoms. I'm with Jahan. Sometimes. I like sitcoms. Like even even like when I'm annoyed when like uh, Jenny's sister would be like watching Friends still and, and like I'll be like oh man we gotta watch Friends oh. and then like I'll laugh something will happen oh. and I'll laugh you know Chandler will oh, oh he'll do the stupid Chandler face I'll be like ha, 
you know i don't know man there's a i've been watching friends too i'm almost done with it i started watching no. it like in 2015 <laughs> and i just watched them here and out here throughout i'm about to be done with the whole series there's a lot of stuff in that show that has aged really poorly but there's a lot of stuff in it that makes me laugh out loud too. Gary, you sound like you're a child watching his parents eat the last of the ice cream this is so so like you know i grew up the same era you guys did i've seen full house it was bad when i was a kid fuller house is still bad now and going yeah, back and watching sucked. full house is bad and there's the friends is bad and sitcoms are bad cheers is almost not bad because of woody harrelson but that's about it sitcoms are just the worst like home improvement was awful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You guys, exactly. That's how funny sitcoms are. Yeah, but I it's have to watch just, it so that it's uh, just a noise. They, I still they're watch just home not. improvement so that the residual tricks that he gets uh, can fund his cocaine addiction. Because I, <laughs> I support, I support it. I just cannot with sitcoms. Uh, I didn't hate How I Met Your Mother. I really didn't hate it, but see, that's see, that's I the one that I don't. Like hate. How I met your and and like it's not good, but I don't hate it. That that one to me is the way that I guess you guys are explaining how She Hulk is like watchable and like the quick episodes kind of like candy. Uh, to me, there were always Barney's uh, Neil Patrick Harris's one liners were just a reason to watch. He, how he I is funny. And his and one-liners Marshall. are funny, but Barney's literally like a sexual assaulter. So yeah, didn't, <laughs> didn't age well. Neither did Friends, though. Watching Friends, like, Chandler's an absolutely, like, like Ross, too. Ross is really bad. They're such toxic, gross, homophobic men. Like, it's, I think oh, yeah. that's when you make Neil Patrick Harris the toxic, gross uh, guy. It's pretty funny because I think you can get away with it because yeah. it's just so funny when it's him. And then it's almost the same thing in whatever the, the, the one was with David Spade, where he played that same sort of like ladies' man role. Mm. I uh, know what show is it? Was that one Rules of Engagement or was that a different show? It, I, know which I, one you're I think you're right. But he played that same sort of role and it's David Spade, right? He's like tiny and he's got this little Weasley little voice and frame. And so he's like, not. <laughs> yeah. He, when, when you cast people like that to be these kind of gross, masculine, toxic guys, I think it's really you ever, funny. You ever heard David Spade tell the story about the time his assistant tried to murder him? Like, no, I want to hear that though. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to tell you, but it, it happened. His assistant tried to kill him. I'm, I'm a huge David Spade mark, man. I love David Spade for life. His assistant tried to sneak into his room while he was sleeping, get his shotgun from under the bed, and kill him with it. That sounds like <laughs> something my ex girlfriends would have done. <laughs> well, he was in Just yeah. Shoot Me and then Rules of That's Injury. ironic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> timing. It's good timing, yeah. Um, well, Jahan, let's uh, tell me about your new Xbox. Uh, but yeah, so I've been looking at Series S, uh, and recently there's a deal. I don't know if you know, Target's doing a sale, two fifty for the Series S, and you get an extra controller. So I got two controllers and a Series S for two hundred and fifty dollars. It's a uh, good deal. It is a very good deal. Uh, it's pretty much it's like one hundred and ten dollars off because of the controller, and. Um, yeah, man, I got it. I hooked it up. It's way smaller than I was expecting. It's like itty bitty, dude. It's like this little thing. Um, and it is pretty cool. I finally got to play Battlefield, uh, the the next-gen version, because I was playing the the other version, and it was like they take off, uh, they take off like half the map 
and like it's all glitchy and shitty. And I was complaining to Gary, I was like, I can't believe they actually sold that game to Xbox One people because it is a half-ass game, and the full version is badass. It's dope. I can't believe like there are elements in the maps that move that didn't in the other version, all this kinds of stuff. Uh, but I'm glad I have one. I'm finally in the club with you two uh, people. I have the next-gen console, and I don't regret it. It's pretty dope. I'm just... I really am eager for, like, the next-gen console-exclusive stuff. Uh, and I think right now, Deathloop on Game Pass is only available, I think, on next-gen. Um, I think Assassin's Creed Odyssey as well is one. And then... Um, there's a lot of games, like I said, that are optimized for the Series S, which is really cool. Um, I think we're getting there, though. I think it's coming are. soon. Is a lot of these games that are going to be... Is the new Gotham Knights game... The is new that Gotham Knights game is only? part of the reason why I was so motivated to do this. Because it's coming out soon, and it is only next-gen. I could have played it on my PC, but it does not have cross-plat, which is really annoying. But I got the Xbox. I'm going to play the, I'm gonna play the crap out of that game with Gary uh, for sure. And it's going to be dope. Uh, pretty excited for that. Um, and I might get um, Midnight Suns on it, too, when it comes out. So. Cool. And then uh, I did see you had noted here Overwatch 2, which yep. I know that's been, uh, it's been an a interesting experience topic. for some people. Have you played it yet, Drew? No, I'm not, not an Overwatch person. I'm not really either. Gary likes it a lot more than I do. But, like, so the second one... There's a lot of issues, man. There's a lot of issues. It worked fine when I played, but I played it like two or three days later after it came out. First couple days, couldn't get on. Uh, there's an issue with Xbox specifically where like, so all your Overwatch 1 skins and emblems and everything you unlock, which isn't such a big deal for me. I had some, but they're all gone. Like you don't have them. You don't have access to them on the Xbox version for some reason. But my younger brother who was playing, I think, on his computer, had all of his. And so that was weird um, and annoying. I hope they fix it. But yeah, man, they got rid of the original game. was one of Gary's complaints. Like, you can't play Overwatch 1. It's gone. Yeah, there's there's some things that, like, I, I am, there are definitely my complaints, but there are some other things that are just facts about the game that are weird things. Yeah. Like, you can no longer play Overwatch. Now, Overwatch 2 is on your console or it's on your computer. You can never go back and play that again. You can never play the six-person mode again. Uh, that's gone. Now it's a five-person game. Um, there are no new maps in Overwatch 2. Not, not one. Not one single new map in the entire game. They're all from the original Overwatch. And then there are only three new characters of the entire, like, 20. So and have those them watch for me, even though I had them in the other game. So those things aren't complaints. Those are just matter of fact, strange decisions that the game made designing this game. So it really just seems like they transitioned Overwatch to being a free to play live service game. Yes. And in that transition have dubbed it Overwatch 2. Yes, that is correct. Because it is the exact same game. There's no difference really at all. The thing that blew my mind, because I I. I saw this was that the uh like on xbox the achievement list so it's the same it's the overwatch achievement list it's just now been changed to be overwatch it's the 2. same game 
So it's the it's all the same achievements and things that are ones that you've unlocked playing Overwatch or are unlocked. You know, it's it's all the same, yes. which means that there are now achievements as part of the achievement list for Overwatch Two that you are completely locked out from getting because they're tied to modes and things that were in Overwatch One that don't even exist anymore. There are, so now they're just oh, achievements wow. as part of that list you can't even get. So a complaint from me. It's not a big deal for me because I didn't spend any extra money ever on Overwatch. I, I, I got Overwatch on sale for like $20 a couple of years ago. I never bought any skins. I just unlocked stuff from like holiday crates and things like that. Same. But I have friends that would spend $10 a month or $20 every couple months. And they have $200 or $300 worth of Epic skins and stuff. And those are gone now. But it's been replaced by a free game that has a battle pass. So to me, that is just insulting to your fan base. Uh, it's predatory and it's gross and it's bad. Yeah. The yeah, gameplay I mean, of Overwatch great. 2 is actually pretty fun. No, yeah, uh, we had a good time. Having five players instead of six makes a hell of a difference. Uh, having one tank is almost like a de facto team leader. So now instead of your team splitting off and running all these different ways, like chickens with their heads cut off, the game inadvertently plays more team-based. You've got two healers, two attacks, and a tank. And it works. It forces you into a meta that is actually comfortable and manageable. Um, It's just the other complaints I have, the things that aren't gameplay, the things that were decisions by the design department, I think were very, very very bad. I I think they were predatory. It's It's almost like they had to kick it out because like they need to work on other stuff and they need to just drop it. That's, that's what it's it really the whole time I was really thinking they would do a drop and redesign and add some maps and say, you know, we were going to do this thing, but we decided to change it. But it, they didn't. They stuck with their guns. There's no new maps. There's a smattering of new characters. They didn't change the physics or the they changed a couple of moves. But uh, the game balance is still sort of the same. And, and the real I, I guess the maps thing is really getting me. Like, the more I talk to you guys about it, the more it pisses me off that they would just reuse maps from, like, 12 years ago. You couldn't so, make one new map? Yeah, not a single so if new map. You, if you go buy, like, if, if I'm sure they've probably gotten rid of them at most places, or, or, you know, Blizzard's asked stores to take it off the shelves. But, like, if you could go buy a physical copy of Overwatch at a store right now. You can't play it. You, and you went home and you put it in your Xbox, it would just download Overwatch 2. You'd have to install the game on your Xbox, right? And then it would update mm-hmm. because Overwatch is only playable online, I think. Maybe you could play against bots offline by yourself in Overwatch 1, maybe, if you didn't have it connected to the internet and you had a physical copy of the disc. There are right. no servers, though. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah you, as soon as you tried to go online, it would update to Overwatch 2. You would no longer have Overwatch. I mean, and, but, you know, Blizzard's done stuff like this before in the past uh, with, like, World of Warcraft. You know, like, once the DLC drops, like, you're pretty much, like, you're almost forced to get it. I mean, you can choose not to have the content, blah, 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 and be locked out of certain things. But you can't really go back to a version of the game where everyone's just playing vanilla, but now they have classic, you know, wild class. So they might release down the line classic overwatch, which is really stupid and annoying and pointless because overwatch two is the same game. Not a single new map. It's bananas. That, that blows my mind, dude. 
And soon enough, this is all going to be probably owned by Microsoft anyway, which is interesting, too. And I not that Microsoft is like some, you know, happy, friendly company that's really nice to us and loves us or anything. But I think Microsoft has done a better job recently of treating its fan base well than Blizzard has. Xbox Game Pass has been absolutely I, I feel the gratitude like they they deliver. You get it's a good deal. I don't know. I don't feel taken advantage of with it anymore. And to Gary's point, I feel like you can't help but wonder that if that deal had gone through already and Microsoft did own Activision Blizzard, if some of these decisions in what happened with the Overwatch 2 transition still would have happened. That's fair. Thank you. You reminded me of more, uh, just a couple of more complaints about Overwatch 2, not to pile on, but when you first play the game, you have to create an account. You have to link an account. It has to be connected to your phone number or your email address, and you can't play until you do that. Yeah, you have to link to your Battle.net account. And so Apparently they're walking that back because it's caused people who have like burner phone, not burner phones, but... Uh, like some people were locked out of that. Yeah, I was because I put in my phone number and it was like, this is already linked to another Battle.net account. And I was like, cool. Yeah, what the hell can I can't play the game now because I can't verify on my phone because someone else has this number. And so I could not play. So I had to put it on Annie's uh, phone. So, so now I have that. It's on that phone number. And, you know, it's just what happened to putting a game in and playing the damn game. Yeah. And these are the same assholes that just destroyed their other game. And then they have this game, which you can't even play until you share a bunch of personal information. All of that shit's already shared on my Xbox. Microsoft has that. All you have to do is have an allow button like Facebook or any other, or social any other game. That pops. Yes. Yeah. It's, it was, it was inconvenient and annoying on top of all the other things. It, it was just more of a headache. I just think they really botched this release. Uh, there were 20,000 player queues, like Jahan was saying. It took over, uh, you know, four to seven hours just to get into the game to play. And it's 2022, and you're Overwatch, and you know what your player base is, and you're Blizzard, man. Like, you know how many people are going to slam your servers, and and they refuse to learn the lesson. When it's indie companies, I can't be mad, because I, I have to assume your networking analyst didn't expect 10 million people to play in one day. <laughs> yeah. When you're Blizzard, get your crap together, man. I'm so glad that Microsoft is buying Blizzard. I think they'll be better than oh, Blizzard was. But never. I hope. Uh, and I just really want World of Warcraft for Xbox. That's that's what my little that's what my little man wants. It's my little brain wants. Uh, and that way me and you and Annie can all play. We can get Jenny to play. Maybe we can even get Drew to show up. Uh, and then we can have a full guild of Xbox World of Warcraft. Oh, hell yeah. It's the fresh out the if box. WoW, if WoW was on Xbox and, through Game Pass and all that stuff, I, I would play. I'd be so excited yeah. to hold your little hands and guide you through that. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I played the crap out of it. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, while it might have been better if Microsoft had their hands on it, I, I can't forget the Halo dropped without a co-op campaign. So, you know, there's always... These and after, after Halo dropped it and never started climbing again, man, those numbers went down and it's still very far down the list of free-to-play games. People yeah. do not like it. It's not. Yeah, I mean, they they didn't take care of us. And so we're not taking care of them. So, but hey. Could Microsoft kill Overwatch? They certainly could. Yeah. I hope I hope they don't kill all of the Blizzard titles. Uh, but they, they can if they want to. 
I think there's too much there. Overwatch was such a popular franchise and still is. I think that Blizzard has such uh, loyal fans that even with some of the bad blood or press around the transition, I think there's a lot of people that will still stay dedicated to the game just because they still like playing the game. So I, that's, I think, at the heart of a lot of Blizzard and Activision stuff. I was a lifelong Blizzard fan since Warcraft 1. <laughs> you know, uh, I played I played all. I played Warcraft 1, 2... Uh, Tides of Darkness, uh, three, the expansions of three, Dota. That it's like we all have yeah. our our Blizzard franchise. Like if Jahan's a Warcraft guy and Gary's an Overwatch guy, and I'm I'm Dia- all about Diablo. Yeah. So it's like they have their franchise for everybody somewhere. Yeah, I did all there. the strategy games. I did Diablo. I did World of Warcraft. I did you know all that crap. And yeah, man, I even cool. me as like a lifelong fan, I'm still I'm not happy with where they're at. Right? You know. Honorable shout out to Overwatch 2. I won't dump on it only. I will say that the cross platform worked very well. It worked good. Uh, Jahan and I got into a party today with his brother. His brother was on his PC. Easy to invite, easy to get in the party, streamless play, no problem. No issue. Really fast. Yeah, no complaints. So And honestly, yeah. I didn't have any we didn't have any server issues. Uh the Almost load always. times weren't too bad. With these cross-platform games, you have server issues or party issues. You can play two or three games together, and then you have to exit out and get back in. And usually it's just a matter of how fast your computer or Xbox is to how annoying it is. If you have a fast system, it's not that annoying, but you still have to quit and come back. Uh, Not in Overwatch 2. It just cruised through, no problem, fast, easy, fluid, no lag. Uh, So Gameplay was was smooth. Yeah, gotta gotta give credit where credit's due. Credit where credit's due, and it's free. So, like, I mean, I'm not saying don't play it, you know, by any means, but I just had my issues, you know. Hopefully, we can move on from that. Uh, but yeah, that's all for me this week. The only thing I have, I do want to shout out uh, a game on Kickstarter right now, uh, Nevermore, from our friend Ian Lemke, a legendary TTRPG creator. Uh, fully funded on Kickstarter already, so jump in if you want uh, to get good pricing and access to you know special add-ons and free content. Uh, backing now, that is that is your advantage. Backing Kickstarter's early, you get free stuff, you get extra stuff, you get better stuff. Um, so Nevermore, the tabletop role-playing game on Kickstarter now for a friend of the show, Ian. It's me, Casualty CDG. I am the co-host of Fresh Out the Podcast and Fresh Out the Box. What is Fresh Out the Box? Thanks for asking. I'll tell you what it is. It's where Jahan, that's that guy, and me, that's this guy, play tabletop role-playing games where we make pretend and imagine scenes and places that you can't see. We just see them in our mind's eye. Uh, so if you want to see us play Make Pretend with our friends, you can do that every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, right now we're playing superhero games, we're playing fantasy games, and every Friday in October we're doing a vampire game. Uh, so check us out, Fresh Out the Box on Twitch, Facebook, and also we have Twitters. Thank you for being here, love you, bye. I forgot, I'm Johanna I didn't say that part. Me too.
<laughs> and I am Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. And thank you so much for listening to episode 65 of Fresh Out the Podcast. I do recommend if you can go back and listen to any of my um, interviews and such that I did coming out of Fantastic Fest, please go and listen to them. Some people were nice enough to sit down with me and talk about their films that they had made and such. And uh, it was really exciting. So I just would really appreciate you uh, going and, and taking a listen to that. But otherwise, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay fresh.